Hello, this is Yarrow, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Erica Awakening. Hello, you've just downloaded an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast episode. I'm your host, Yarrow. I'm an online entrepreneur who's been blogging since the year 2005. Prior to that, I had several different online businesses, including a proofreading business and a Magic the Gathering e-commerce card game store. However, blogging has been my main bread and butter for the past almost 10 years now. And as part of my blog, I've had this podcast, the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, which began initially as an experiment to see what podcasting was all about and then slowly evolved into what it is today, a series of interviews with other online entrepreneurs, bloggers, information marketers, small business owners, people who have had success building a business and an income stream online. And I asked them how they did it. We go back in time to hear about their story. We hear how they got the idea, what they did to get traffic, how they then grew it, how they made money, all the ups and downs of the process. It gives you a really great background story into what it takes to have a successful online business. Now, today's guest is Erica Awakening, who has a little bit of an unusual story to tell in terms of how she transitioned away from being a lawyer into certainly not the niche you would expect a lawyer to get into. She went on into dating advice for men, which as a woman was already a little bit unusual, and also into EFT, which is a tapping, a form of therapy you can do to help remove limiting beliefs. Uh, what was especially inspiring, I believe, about this particular interview, which you'll hear, is Erica was able to start her business as a side project to a full-time lawyer career, which, as you can imagine, is a lot of hard work, and make six figures, 100000 a year, as a side business initially. Obviously, that was a, a big juggle to do full-time lawyer job as well as have this business and she did eventually leave her job but you'll hear how the transition happened how she was able to start a business as a side project how she eventually was able to quit that job as a lawyer and move into different niches you also hear erica explain how she made $30,000 per client as a coach. And that's an extraordinarily high amount to charge. So you'll hear how she was able to justify that and get people to pay uh, for that level of coaching. So I know you'll love this interview. I'll let you dive straight into it. I do recommend, though, if you'd like to continue to receive more interviews like this, that you head to my blog, which is entrepreneurs-journey.com. You can also go to iTunes and find the EJ podcast that way. And there you can subscribe to the various channels I have, whether it's email, whether it's a podcast feed on your phone. And I really look forward to having you as a regular subscriber. Uh, here we go. Here's the interview with Erica. Enjoy. Hello, this is Yaro, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey podcast interview. Today, I have a guest who has a long story we're going to progress through from maybe not the start, but certainly from the, the business start all the way to the present. And I'm really curious to hear the little pieces of this puzzle because it's a little bit, um, I'm not going to say unusual, but there's a, it's a, some unique angles with how the business has been structured and the services provided. And I'm not even clear about what they all are. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Erica Awakening, thank you for joining me. Oh, hi, Yaro. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> now, I have to ask first, Awakening is not your last name, obviously, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> it started that because my first blog was called Awakening from the Dream because my 
entire method and philosophy is about consciousness awakening. And I had to create a Facebook account and I didn't want to use my real name. So I just put awakening because that was my blog. And I had no idea it was going to turn into a, a name. But then it became my business name and everybody called me that. So that's what I go by. Okay, Erica Awakening. So as a big picture summary before we dive into the history, just to give people a picture of where you are, you quit your job a number of years ago and you've been making six figures online each year since then. In this sort of, I don't, don't know how to say this other than holistic health is probably the, the big picture phrasing. Is that... I would call it the main focus is reprogramming the subconscious mind. And I actually made six figures on the side before I quit my job. Right. And that's um, pretty cool. You must have been so working hard. Pretty, yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, just before we dive into the part where you switched over, um, just to clarify as well. So you've been making six figures primarily teaching through the internet. Is that right? Yeah, I basically the the main income streams of the business have been personal coaching, most of which I've done on Skype. So even that has been on the internet. And then after I quit my job, I started a line of video products which which made the coaching accessible to more people at a lower price point. And that's been a nice other income stream for the business. Okay. Well, let's just see how this all started then. So uh, I, I do like to cover any other entrepreneurial businesses, practices, even the lemonade stand as a kid. Did you have anything of in that nature before the current business you run? Um, I didn't have a lot. I did wait tables in college, and I think that's valuable experience for anyone, really, because you learn so much about people and what they buy and how they approach things. Um. And then I had this house, because I was a lawyer before I did this, and I had San Francisco real estate was so expensive that I bought in Tahoe area instead. It was actually quite a bit less expensive. And I started renting it out um, a few years before I started my blog. So I did learn a lot about people, and I, I did that business entirely online. Well, it wasn't really a business, but... I learned some stuff. It's a very, very different type of sale than personal coaching. So mm. some of it applied and a lot of it doesn't. That was before Airbnb was around, I assume. Yeah, and I don't use that site actually because I'm not, I'm not crazy about how they work it, but I use a couple other sites that are great. Okay. So you're, you're a lawyer then. Has that been your predominant career prior to the internet? Yep, I was a lawyer. Um, I went to a fancy school. I thought I would be doing that for the rest of my life. And the truth is I went to law school because I didn't think I could be good at business. I really had a very strong limiting belief about that. Uh, you know, it's funny, you look at law school and you look at business school, and I think law school might even be a lot harder than business school. In my mind, I saw that anyway, based on yeah. the lawyers, how much work they do. It was horrible. <laughs> but, you know, there was that block. Like, that's what a lot of people have. That's why a lot of people have such a hard time starting a business because we have these mental blocks. And they're not, they're not true at all, but they feel true. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
So you finished your law degree, became a lawyer, had a career, and then at some point realized that you were pretty miserable. Is that that's sort of the, the cliche story? Was that you as well? The big the big change was I had a near death experience. I'm sure you've talked to people who've had them before. It changes everything. Right. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, I was going along and I knew I wasn't happy, but like many people who know they're not happy, you just, well, I'm good at this and it's too hard to make any changes. And like, you know, I had all those excuses going on Um, until I had suddenly a catastrophic side effects of a really minor medical procedure and I ended up in the hospital literally right on the verge of being in the ICU for a week. Um, I was in tremendous amount of pain. My body got blown up with water. I have 40 pounds of water on my body, and I don't weigh very much. So you can imagine I was blown up like a balloon. Tremendous amount of pain. I couldn't, I couldn't tolerate the painkiller. So I was basically just laying there groaning in pain. And realizing that I might not make it out of there. And, and I was like, wow, I, I might not make it out of here. And my life is basically <laughs> garbage is essentially what I came to. I'm like, I'm in a job I don't like doing something that's not meaningful. And I just realized if, uh, well, actually, you know, I don't know if you believe in a creator or not, but I, I do. And I was talking to the big guy upstairs and I was like, if you give me another chance, I'll do this all differently. I can see that my life is completely messed up. Right. And I'm just, obviously you recovered. I recovered. It was a slow recovery. Um, I was out of work for quite some weeks. And when I got back, the first thing that changed is I stopped working overtime. I'd basically been working compulsively unpaid overtime to try to impress my superiors, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I couldn't do it anymore. I mean, once in a while, if there were, absolutely had to. But aside from that, I stopped working overtime, which freed up my weekends and my evenings to do other things. And that's where the story really begins. Because that's when I started doing all this reading online and thinking there's got to be another path. There's got to be another way. And that was how I first learned about um, the dating advice community and about emotional freedom technique and all the things that I teach now. Okay. Can you timestamp this? What, what year was that when you started searching online? So, yep. Near-death experience was in 2006. And I would say it was very... I actually had started meditating a couple months before that because I was already kind of, sort of, realizing something was going to have to change. Um, but it was after that. So you would consider all of 2006 basically a research year. Like, I didn't do any blogging. I, wasn't, I hadn't started any of that yet. In fact, 2007 as well. So basically from 2006 to, to late 2008, I was a, a magnet for learning. I just went out and read and read and read, and I went to workshops, and I studied, and I learned. I'm, I'm curious. What do you look for at that phase? Like, did you type in, I want to make money on the internet? Like, how did this process evolve? No, I wasn't even close to that yet. Um, I was looking to get out of feeling like crap. Okay. I had several chronic 
medical issues going on. Um, one was chronic pain. Another one was chronic skin condition. I felt totally disconnected from people. So a lot of what I was looking for was uh, social stuff. And the spiritual side of things was really taking on a lot of life for me. So, you know, for example, I was really into Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra during that time period. I discovered this whole seduction community and how they're teaching men how to connect with women. I, I got to ask, how does that connect? I, I understand Wayne Dyer and, and Deepak Chopra and, you know, probably Eckhart Tolle in, in that sort of world of personal development and spirituality. How did that lead to male seduction, especially because you're a woman? <laughs> so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's just one little missing link, which yeah. is I was thinking at that time, I have a very different philosophy about all this now because it's evolved a lot. But at that time, I was thinking I should have a partner. I should be dating. I should, right? Um, so I thought I started with the women's advice for dating, but I found it to be very unhelpful. Like, it just didn't work. And so somehow in searching for that stuff, I came across one of the guy's books. I think it was Neil Strauss's pickup artist book. You know, the really famous one, The Game. The Game, yep. And I, I bought it online just because I was buying all these women's ones and they, they, they didn't really have the answers I wanted. And I remember when I read his book and then I started researching the guy's side of it. I was like, well, this, all, this stuff all sort of makes sense. In a way, the women stuff didn't. It's like the women were trying to be a little too idealistic, and the men were being more practical, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I hate to mention cliches, but that does sound like a, sort yeah. of the way the sex is very generalizing here, but approach things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I got really, really intrigued with that. And then I did a one-on-one -on -one coaching with one of the guys in the industry in about February of 2007. And I just loved it. Like, it was so much fun. And so I kept going in that direction. But in the meanwhile, I had a personal crisis, which is how tapping came into my world. And I started experimenting with tapping, and it was giving me all kinds of crazy results. And I'm like, this looks really weird. It sounds really weird because I don't know if you've done it before, but you tap on all these acupressure points on your body and you speak basically what is a, a form of NLP, essentially. It's like your hypnotic language for your own subconscious mind. But I was just experimenting with it and getting results, more so than any of the other stuff I'd been studying. The other stuff I'd studied all kind of sounded good, but I'm a very practical person. I like results. That's why I liked the men's dating advice, and that's why I like tapping. So one of the early things I applied tapping to was my rental income for this house, and I got it to go up by 65% while everybody else was saying there aren't any rentals because we were in the middle of a recession. Okay, clarify how that works. Like, I'm assuming you're using tapping to change some sort of mindset issue, like a blockage you've got. Yes. And then that has to tie into market realities, too, about how much someone's willing to pay for rent, right? Well, how does those this work? Are all, right. Those are all things that people think these are just objective facts. But as I found out, they really weren't objective facts. It's almost like we all have blinders on all the time. And we don't, we don't see it until our mind gets changed at a deeper level, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I mean, just to be very practical, I wrote down a list of my limiting beliefs around the, the rental income market. I wrote down all the things like you're just saying, like, for example, it's a ski house. So it was pretty easy to get rentals on weekends, but I was basically never having midweek rentals. So that was one of my limiting beliefs I wrote down. And then I wrote down people won't pay more than X amount per night. And I wrote down it's going to be really hard because the economy has crashed and nobody has money. And I just wrote them all you know, on a list. I wrote them all down. And I and very practical. Like this is just the quote unquote reality that I'm that I'm in here. And I started applying this. And as I did, my mindset shifted. And I was like, well, you know, this is a great house. I put a lot of care into it. Maybe I could raise the rates. Maybe people would pay more for it. And maybe I could get midweek rentals. So I just started doing that and you know, one way or another, nobody really understands the causation of tapping. I explain it purely as our mind is really creating our results. So, but nobody could really tell you for sure exactly why it works. Mm -hmm. But what would happen is I would tap and within a few hours or maybe the next day, I would get inquiries coming in and the sales were happening more easily and people were willing to pay more money. And midweek rentals started coming in. And the next thing you know, by the end of the year, I'd made 65% more money than the previous year. And I didn't change the marketing. And Did, I didn't, you, did you change the price the, on the website? Prices <laughs> I did raise and people paid them. So hmm. it was a combination of getting higher re rental rates and getting more days rented. Mm -hmm. So... I was like, okay, wow, this is working. So what else can we apply this to and see what happens? And that's how, I, that's how it started. Okay, so basically your year, two years worth of researching, you got the most from, this is an interesting combination, the male seduction community and mm -hmm. EFT tapping. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't see that coming from a lawyer's <laughs> background, would you? You wouldn't have seen it. I mean, the way it all played out was so amazingly beautifully orchestrated. I, I think meditation really helps with that, by the way. But anyway, okay. going, moving on. Yeah, let's continue. So how does this turn into a business? And I'd love to hear about this phase where you basically grew it to six figures while you still worked as a lawyer, which sounds impossible, or you either don't sleep. I'm not sure how you do it. Yeah, well, for a while it was it was really a lot of work. I mean, I got to be honest. There was a time period when I was basically working all the time, but it wasn't a long time period. So um, it can be done, and I did not feel comfortable quitting my job because of my mortgage and my other obligations. I just didn't feel comfortable quitting. So that gave me a very big incentive to get it above six figures very quickly. To replace your, your law. Your legal yeah, because right? I was making six figures in that job. So I was basically in a situation where if I just quit cold turkey with this huge mortgage, um, it would have been pretty scary. Okay. It could, people have done it. People could do it, but I didn't feel comfortable. All right. So well, how did you do it then? Did you just at nights and weekends start a website and then yeah. well, take us forward? Yeah. So basically um, late 2008, and this is one of the best parts of the story. So this this guy, this pickup artist guy who I'd had the one-on-one -on -one with, we'd, we'd continued our relationship, which had its ups and downs. And, 
And around September or no, I think it was October, <clears throat> one of the two in 2008, I was actually really annoyed with him. I was mad at him. And he had this blog, which was a very entertaining little blogspot blog. And one day I was just really annoyed and I was reading his blog and up at the top it said create something like create a blog <laughs> right up in the upper right hand corner. <laughs> right. And I was all miffed and I'm like, well, fine, I'm going to create my own blog. You know, it was one of those kind of petty little things, right? Uh -huh. So I clicked on the button and I am not a tech savvy person at all, but you know, this was Blogspot. So within, you know, a few minutes, I had my own blog, and I just started writing. So it was a revenge blog to begin with. It kind of was. I mean, it's almost embarrassing to admit that, but yeah, <laughs> it kind of was. Okay, and, and how does that connect with everything? So then, and this is again where I, I tell people, if you start doing meditation, all these synchronicities start happening. I don't know if you meditate, but I'm a big believer in it. Um, right around the same time, I was also miffed at him, so his major competitor in the market, I reached out to them, and I was going to take one of their seminars. <laughs> it was also a revenge thing, right? Uh -huh. So I reached out to them, and by synchronicity, they were having their very first co-ed event um, that very weekend in L.A. I mean, literally, the timing was ridiculous. So I live in San Francisco, and I was like, fine, I'll show him. He's not interested in my ideas. I'm going to start a blog, and I'm going to his competitor's event, right? Right. So I go down, I drive down to L.A., and I meet this very, very famous pickup artist, one of the most famous, who gives this very relatively small co-ed talk down there, which was really fun. And afterward, I stayed and talked to a bunch of people. Just being social, wasn't expecting anything to come out of this really, just wanted to meet people. And a guy in there kind of, you know how you just get these messages from people, they're just messengers. And he said, you need to go on this forum. And I, my blog was about a week old at this point, I think. Um, so I go on this forum and he didn't tell me it's an all men's forum. <laughs> <laughs> I go on this forum and I start posting because at, by this time I'm an expert at seduction community stuff because I've been studying it for a year and a half, right? Right. And I know all the lingo and everything. And I go on and he said, you should post on, on the forum. So I register and whatever. I don't think it's a big deal. I've been posting on other forums because of all my studying and research. And none of those have been a big deal. But you see, because I was the only woman on the forum and I knew all the, all the lingo, I was like a sensation absolutely overnight. So all of a sudden, everybody's paying attention to me and reading my blog. And those are those kind of like, it just dropped out of heaven and you can't plan this kind of stuff, right? It just, it, it's just meant to happen. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and case of good timing, just by, by the event being on for you to be there. Yeah, I mean, all the stars aligned, right? Okay. So basically, I'm now, I'm not commercial, so I'm not a threat to them, which is part of the beauty of how this all unfolded, right? I had no profit, I had no products, no services, no nothing. So they didn't view me as a coach, they didn't view me as competition, they didn't kick me off the forum, and I was attracting a lot of traffic as, the, as this woman who knew what she was talking about, so they let me stay on this forum for a year, actually. And... 
what happened is I started getting blog traffic basically overnight. And my blog became relatively successful within a couple of months, which a lot of bloggers don't have all that synchronicity work in their favor. That's because you had people connecting with you on the forum and you had a link in your signature back to your blog? Is that exactly. right? And that, it was a very popular high-traffic forum, so people started coming over and reading my stuff. Okay. And then you started charging money for something, I assume, right? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Not yet, so okay. it went on for quite a while um, with me being fairly popular but not having any products or services. And then um, people started inviting me to their events. And at first they were inviting me as a guest and I was writing reviews and so forth. And that was getting me more traffic, uh, which is definitely a tip to give to people if they don't yet have their own products and services, they can build up a lot of goodwill in a community by writing about other people's products and services. So that's essentially what I was doing. And I still wasn't really thinking this is going to turn into a full-time thing. But lo and behold, um, around, I don't remember what it was, maybe March of the following year. So I was, I'd been blogging for about six months. I started to get invited as a speaker at events. And now, that's just to clarify a- something here, Eric, I've got I've got to picture this. You're going to your job as a lawyer by day and coming oh, home yeah. by night and writing on men's seduction forums and writing a blog about men's seduction. That's right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I didn't tell them about the blog, which I didn't have to because it wasn't commercial. But they, but they did find it. Right, and obviously, um, no one at work has any clue you're doing any of the. They didn't have any because <laughs> okay. I was basically just going home. I was like, I was leading a double life, basically. Right. It was it, nothing illegal about it or anything because I wasn't like if I had been charging money, I would have had to tell them, but I wasn't. So, um, but they did eventually find it, and that's a whole other story, which we won't probably go off on that detour. That was a pretty funny. Pretty funny little episode in and of itself. Let's focus on how you got to six figures. That's what I'm curious about. So basically, I'm around, you know, March of the following year, I'm starting to get invited as a speaker. And then it's becoming obvious to me, okay, this could really become its own. It could really become big. What was your angle then? Like they were inviting you to speak about just the woman's perspective or was there something else? Well, I was like, I really stood out in the community because I was basically at that time one of the only women who had mastered the whole concepts and the vocabulary and everything else, right? So in general, they poo-pooed women's advice because most women weren't really giving very practical pointers. But what I was able to bring is I was writing about men I was dating And I was able to give a perspective that wasn't in the community, which is this is how it is to be a woman when a man does X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And this is why X or Y or Z works, and this is why it doesn't. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So I was kind of writing a tell-all blog with all these men I was dating, which at the time was a lot. (laughs) And people loved it. Like, they just – men and women were just eating this up. It was – it's a very different approach from what I do today. But at the time, it worked, right? Right. So essentially, I'd become kind of a mini celebrity almost overnight based on this confessional blog combined with the expertise. So, 
yeah, that's how it all got started. And then when I got some of these major speaking gigs the following year, I really started to make a name for myself. But still, the money wasn't really coming in. Plus, I had to jump hurdles at, at my job to be able to um, officially make money doing this. I already had the okay from them to make money with tapping, but not this blog and seduction and all that stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that meeting with your superior at the law firm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, this was all like, this all unfolded over a matter of months. So finally I got the all clear to, of, you know, yeah, we get it. You have a First Amendment right to do this and there's nothing we can do about it. Um, so finally I have the all clear to move forward on the money side of it. And I start. I did start making sales in 2009, but not a huge amount. Because uh, of what? Um, mostly, at that time, I didn't have video products. So I had an audio, one audio product that was very low priced. And then I created the, I was doing these coaching sessions, which originally were one-off sessions, but very, very quickly it became clear to me you're not going to make six figures on one-off coaching sessions. It's not going to happen. It's what was needed, and also people weren't going to get the benefits because they do one session, yeah, they're going to learn something, but they're not really going to commit, and they're not going to get the kind of results I've gotten because they haven't done it in a sustained way. Mm -hmm. So very, very quickly, I created my 15-week miracle coaching program and started requiring people to do at least five sessions and there's one of your big money-making tips right there. Um, instead of doing one-off sessions, getting people to commit longer term was one of the very key things I did in my business. Okay. To connect this with what you're doing, you had the blog and you had the exposure on stage and in these forums. When it came to selling products, were you just putting a link on this Blogspot blog, click here to send me some money via PayPal, and then we'll talk on Skype? Was it as simple as that? Or did you start really you know, building a shopping cart, sales pages, email newsletter, getting more structured in your online marketing? No, I mean, first of all, I wasn't very tech savvy. Um, I think I just started to get my own domain towards the end of 2009. I'm not sure. All the timing's a little foggy now. But, um, I, you know, up until the end of 2009, I was still on my little blog spot. I did open a, I think at first it was PayPal links only. And then I opened a one shopping cart account. I don't think, that, though, that was until 2010. Um, so this is all pretty primitive. Uh, like the audio, it was an abundance audio teleclass that we then resold as a product, and it was, um, and those were all PayPal links. And then, so people have been regular commenters on my blogs. Those are the people who were interested in sessions. So yeah, a lot of the first one-off sessions, they just bought them as a special offer on the on the website. I always do limited time offers. That's another secret of this business. Always give people a reason to commit now instead of putting it off until later. Um, so I figured that out pretty quickly. And basically, that's how I got my first few clients. But it wasn't a lot. I think in 2009, I made, if I remember right, it was somewhere around 22000 total, mm -hmm. which isn't, isn't a lot. And most, most of that was at the very end of the year. Okay. So the next year, you became more sophisticated and had more product? 
Well, first I hit the wall because like what happened was at first I got a few of these long-term clients who had been really excited about my blog and, and some of that 22 grand came in pretty easy. Then I got, then I hit the wall. I'd already, like the people who were going to be easy <laughs> had already bought. And so I'm still writing all this content and the first half of um, 2010 was kind of a disaster. I actually hired a copywriter and that was a complete flop. Like the sale, I paid like three grand for, for all this stuff and it didn't sell at all. Um, another lesson learned on this, on this path. I write all my own copy now. I don't, I don't ever hire that out. Um, so the first half of 2010, I was actually getting more and more frustrated and depressed and thinking I'm never going to be able to quit my job. I did get like another really good long-term client in January, but then it was like, I mean, we were just barely scraping along from about January to June. And in July, I pretty much gave up. I'm just like, I'm done. I wrote it. I still have the article on my blog. I was like, I'm going on vacation. I was fed up with my audience. They weren't giving back. It was totally frustrating. I was writing all this great content and people loved it, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't pay. So um, I basically threw a temper tantrum and then I took a little, some time off and I went to a trip to Vegas and I met this guy in Vegas who was really charming and almost seduced me, like, you know, got me back to his hotel room very quickly. And he was such a master with it that it created all these great stories. And I wrote, coming off of that trip, a seven-part blog series that just, all my momentum got going from there, if that makes sense. I'd love to know the titles of that seven-part <laughs> series. <laughs> They're all vague. They, it, I, I gave all these guy, guys nicknames. So this one was the Vegas Guy Seduction Series on my, um, on my spiritual seduction blog. And, yeah, so the articles were really entertaining and very popular. And coming off of that, I had a couple speaking engagements that were already lined up. And basically, this is the kicker, though, is I started to think, oh, why don't I do with my business what I did with my rental income? So I started tapping all my limiting beliefs about the business. So all of this is happening around the same time, middle of 2010. And then I did another key decision a couple months later that I, I cannot emphasize enough. How, how important I think this was, but I had a, a project on my house that needed to get finished and it was a lot of money, like way more money than I was comfortable committing to and I committed to that contract anyway. So I, was, I knew I was going to have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get this project finished and I didn't know where the money was going to come from. So I think that really upped the ante, if, if you will. And so what happened was from July when I started writing those articles, I was still barely chugging along with the money. But all of a sudden, with the tapping and the, and the motivation going up and everything else, all of a sudden I started making 12000 in a month and then more. And I hit October of 2010, and I think I made $33,000 in one month. How? So basically, we went from almost zero those first few months of 2010 to a $33,000 month. And that's when I put in notice at my job. What, what, what was different? Did you make better offers, 
charge more? How, how did that come together? Well, the tapping changed my mindset. So I started, I stopped kind of pouting and throwing tantrums and being mad at the people who were successful. And I started looking more carefully at what they were doing and thinking, emulating it a little bit. I got a really simple outline of something I could send to my newsletters and I started experimenting with that and I started getting more responses on my newsletter offers after I did that. But a lot of it was mindset, and that's where I go back to what I did with my rental income. A lot of it was just getting rid of my limiting beliefs and shifting how I was thinking about the whole thing. I kept raising my rates. I learned how to pitch from the stage and make offers from the stage, so I got a couple clients from each of those speaking engagements. So there were lots of factors that went into it, but a lot of it was mindset. That makes sense? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't make the decision to do all those changes if you had the, the mindset wrong. Right. Yeah. It was being more more committed, more motivated, and not believing my own limiting beliefs. I cannot emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then once I had that momentum, the shocker was here I still had a full-time job. I was only doing this evenings and weekends, but I came to the end of the year, and I think I made 120 24,000, somewhere around there that year off the business. And that is made up of coaching over the Skype and the phone? That was basically, except for a few, my product sales at that point was almost zero. So that was all, almost all Skype sessions. All right. So how this is something people would love to hear, especially because it's clearly something you can do early, even while you have a job. How do you make $100,000 plus just on telephone coaching. Raise your rate. <laughs> <laughs> what did you charge by the at that th- this phase? You know, I don't honestly don't remember. All I know is I kept raising the rates. And part of it was I got out a calculator and I was I had I looked at how much am I going to have to make versus how many hours can I cuz this is intensive coaching. It is not like you can't do it 40 hours a week. You would hate yourself, you know. It's very intensive stuff. Like at most 20 hours a week is the absolute maximum. So I worked backwards. I used a calculator with my expenses. And the hourly rate I would need to charge was shockingly high. So I just started, kept, I kept upping it. And I kept getting testimonials. So testimonials are key. I kept publishing all these testimonials. And people were raving about the results they were getting. So this is just building momentum, momentum, momentum. And then every time I would raise my rates, I'd make another limited time offer and say, okay, you know, last chance to get these, the rates I've been charging, we're going up again. Mm-hmm. And so, it just kept building on it. Right. Uh, so, uh, by this point, you must be perceived as a premium coach in the community as well, which people are willing to spend five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on for coaching from. I was, I was, but let's not, let, I mean, just because people need to know there's a dark side to all this, right? I mean, there were, I was getting plenty of criticism. There are lots of people who think that's, that tapping is a bunch of baloney and they won't even try it or they have never really worked with an expert. So I was getting, you know, some people saying she's a complete fraud because they just think tapping is a fraud, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of flack I got and I got a lot of people saying, nobody's going to pay that much. You'll never get anyone to pay that much for coaching. And they were wrong. 
I mean, at the end of the day, it's the result that people really care about. So if you can get people results and then show others that these are the results they're getting, then you've got something of value. So Yeah, I mean, as I tell people, and I've had very consistent results with helping people make more money, if you pay me 5000 but you end up making an extra 10000 then nobody lost anything in the deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Plus, if you've learned a skill where you can keep making more money, then obviously that was a that was a good deal for everybody involved. Okay, so that year you did a lot of telephone coaching, then by the sounds of things. Uh, but you yeah, talk- and I and I was getting to be exhausted. Yeah, to right. be totally honest, right? So uh, the next phase, obviously, was how to transition from mostly telephone to a lot more digital, being part of the equation, right? Yeah, so basically I gave my notice at my job, but it still took me like six months to get out of there. Um, I told them I was leaving, but then I had a very specialized kind of job. So we all we worked together at the job, and I had extra vacation time to use up. So I, I ended up leaving the job around, I think it was April 1st of 2011. And at that point, I went through another really scary phase, um, which is that the bottom kind of fell out of my coaching business a few months after I quit my job. I was dealing with a surprising amount of fear, which, which is all really good for tapping. So I did tons of tapping myself during this time for my own inner game because um, it was really scary. This is the first time in my life. And I had, when I quit my job, I had a mortgage of $200,000 still owed. So it was terrifying. It was like, if the money doesn't come in, I didn't have a safety net. Um, And then I had some pretty rough times toward the middle of that year. I had a coaching client who went south on me, which had never really happened to me before. And this is when I kind of learned the lesson about not giving refunds on on large sales like this. because it pulled the kind of pulled the plug out from under my business for a short period of time, and and it really freaked me out. Because um, under the policies I had at that time, he was entitled to most of his money back, and I gave it back. But I wasn't like you know I had bills coming in. I wasn't planning on that. That was pretty. That was a pretty big crisis for me to go through. Um, it is unusual to have a refund policy on private coaching because you're giving your time. Most people don't offer refunds on that. Well, I had moronically, I'll say, you know, to myself, I had listened to, to this guy who had been my copywriter the year before. Um, and I shouldn't have. My gut had always been to not do refunds on it. So it was a mistake, you know. I, it was a screw up because when you're dealing with transformational coaching, you're going to people's buttons are going to get pushed and they're going to get into their own resistance. And, and I just learned my lesson. Basically it was a rough patch, but I got through it. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I would highly advise people if it's, if you're, if it's your personal time and you're making a commitment to this other person, they need to make the same commitment to you basically is the way I view it now. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was rough, but Essentially, the great thing about tapping is that every setback gives you the opportunity to improve your inner game. So coming out of this, I did all this tapping. I was really angry for a while, and I had to tap lots and lots of anger. 
And it started to become clear, like people weren't signing up for private coaching the way they had before, before the numbers had been much higher. So finally, I just kind of sat back and I was like, okay, universe, what are you trying to tell me? Like, is this a new direction or something? What's going on here? And that's when the video coaching idea came, the video product idea came in. So that's when I recorded the original 30-day abundance challenge, and I actually recorded it when I needed money myself, which made it a much better product. You see what I'm saying? Right. You were your own case study. Yeah. I was like, this has to work. (laughs) So I recorded this 30-video program, which I'd never done before. I'd never put all of this on video and tried to teach people in a different format like this. But I was like, I need $50,000 and I need it really fast. So we set it in the intention in this video program to manifest $50,000. And I started recording these videos and I recorded them over several month time because at that time I wasn't as good with the, now I can record them really fast. But at the time I was still learning all the video technology and everything. And at first, it seemed like nothing was happening. And I always tell my clients this. I would like, I'm like, don't worry if it seems like nothing's happening when you're tapping. Because sometimes the universe is just working it out way better than you could have ever worked it out. I really wanted a new car. But when this client bailed on me, I postponed that purchase. And I really needed one because my other one was wearing out. Um, so I'm recording the challenge it seems like nothing's happening. Another month goes by and my car is parked out on the street and it gets sideswiped by somebody while it's parked on the street and they put a note on it. I'm t- this is relevant to our story, by the way. They put a note on it with their insurance information. No, actually they didn't, but a bystander did. So this cab had hit me, whatever. So I call my insurance and you know, the other company's going to pay for it. Okay, you know, I wonder if this is a hint that I'm supposed to get a new car. But five days later, my car was parked in a totally different place, and someone else hit it and left a note. <laughs> so the, so the same car twice? <laughs> twice in five days. I kid you not. Parked on the street. This, like, this has never happened before, right? Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, it seems like the universe is bashing me over the head here, right? Anyway, I don't want to make, I've written an article about it. I don't want to make it too long of a story. But suffice it to say, I ended up getting two insurance settlements. I went in to get the new car. They gave it to me for basically only paying the DMV fee because I couldn't give them my old car yet because it was still in insurance, whatever. So I walk out of the place with them. They're going to send me $10,000 for my old car. Um, I have a new car that I've now paid $147 for. The financing on it is less than 1% interest. I get two insurance settlements, and then I talk to my CPA, and I get all these tax breaks from the new car because it's going to be mostly used in my business, right? And at the end of the day, I ended up better off with a new car than I was with the old car. It was, it was almost unbelievable. And the, the car was like a $50,000 car. So I had just been tapping for $50,000, right? Mm-hmm. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but that was just the beginning of what happened out of this video program. Because then my business started picking up again. And we got to January of 2012. And I made almost $70,000 in one month. From what? From the tail of this program. Okay. 
So anyway, that's how it all kind of ramped up. So you see how that setback with that one client kind of set up the next quantum leap? Mm -hmm. That's another thing I like to teach people. I like people tend to get really discouraged by their setbacks and they forget that there's a higher intelligence working on this, right? So if we interpret everything in our favor, a lot of times these setbacks are actually helping us go to the next level. Well, you certainly did with the <laughs> the cars to begin with, and then the uh, the seventy thousand dollar month. That's amazing. I yeah. I would love to because uh, you know you're you're sort of covering the outcomes here um, at this stage. How sophisticated was your business in terms of the setup? Like to deliver a video course straight away. I'm thinking a membership site. Yeah, you, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're how far? We're, we're not blogs, but blogging still, are we? Right. And part of the beauty of this is that my fixed costs only went up as I, as my business success did, which is another thing I recommend to people so they don't get themselves in a bad cycle. You know, if you put too sophisticated a website at the beginning, oh, so much money is going into it every month that if you're not making a lot, you can your business can fail, right? So I only added bells and whistles as I had the money to do so, and I think that's really important for people. But you're right. Once I got to videos, I had to add um, Amazon S3, and that is a significant monthly expense. So it, it's not added lightly. People really should only do it when they know they're going to be able to cover it. And I also got the digital access pass. Are you familiar with their yes, yep. stuff? Okay. Yeah, I have their membership. So basically, we integrated S3 with this DAP. And later, we added a more, and I'm blanking on the name of it, a more sophisticated um, video interface. Maybe Wistia, maybe? No. EVS. Does oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, easy video. Something. Yeah, we yeah. added that later on, which is which has helped with um, playback quality and so forth. And, mm -hmm. But yeah, at this point, the website backend is fairly sophisticated, so it's not something for a newbie to be running. And and where do all the people come from to make seventy thousand dollars in sales? Is it still? That's obviously not just a forum and a blog. And speaking on stage, is that predominantly where it's coming from? It came from. No, the irony of that year was that I did do a speaking engagement and um, nothing really came of it because by then my vibe was kind of shifting and I wasn't fitting into the seduction community as well anymore. But for whatever reason, this abundance challenge started producing results for people pretty quickly and they were writing me testimonials. And then people were, were getting the abundance challenge and they loved it so much. This is what I learned about these video products is that you can get private coaching clients off of your video products because they get to know you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're seeing my face and, and it's all very, you know, I'm walking them through the method and the video. So they get a really good feel for what they're going to get in a private session. And people just loved that product. So basically what happened is... Um, it wasn't coming from the speaking engagements. People were just using that product and loving it and wanting to sign up for my 15-week miracle program, which by then had gone up to $20,000 tuition for the 15 weeks. Wow. It, it went up gradually. It started as a $5,000 program. But once people, I, once I got those amazing testimonials, it just kept going up. 
Okay, so you have, just, I'm getting confused with your programs, you have a 30-day video program, which is completely digital, no private coaching, and that's like $300 or something like that? Is yeah, that- that's 300 and then I have a whole bunch of advanced, advanced 30-day ones, which are more expensive. And then if they really want to get the personal time with you, it's, it's now a $20,000, 15-week program. It's actually even higher now. Although, you know, if it's a committed person, I will work out payment plans and I'll, and I'll even negotiate sometimes on the prices. But it has to be somebody who's really, really committed. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's a, um, a not, it's uncommon to find people charging 20000 plus unless it's like a live event and they're pitching you know, over a three-day weekend. That's the only time I've ever seen a product of that price. Or a rich chef and someone with, you know, like this celebrity credibility. And clearly you've got something similar in, in your space. Uh, I can't imagine you're selling a ton of it, but um, even the fact that you get one or two sales shows that you really have a solid established credibility in your marketplace. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and the value of the program is high. It is definitely the the condensed version of everything I learned from this as you, as we've gone on here, very long journey, right? So I basically took everything I've learned and condensed it into a 15-week program. And that's what you work through over the phone as well as the digital access. Yeah. on the, That one is a purely one-on-one Skype program, so it's customized to, to anybody who takes it. Okay. Um, but I'm doing, I'm definitely taking very few private clients at this mm-hmm. point. But at that point, it was still we were still really much on that trajectory. Right, and that wasn't for dating advice anymore, is it? That was all about abundance and, and money and that sort of thing. It was basically whatever the client wanted to work on. Okay. Um, some wanted to work on money. Some one guy I worked with, we eliminated his social anxiety, and that was his biggest thing. He also had a money miracle during the program, but we were mostly focused on social stuff. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So, it, like we talked about before the call, the, this is kind of like a general subject matter that people, if they can come to you for money, then social anxiety, before that pickup artist training, yet you're sort of using the same techniques to solve everyone's problem, but... Like, right. like you said to me before, it's, you're kind of going against the advice of specialization. So, you know, become the best social anxiety cure out there. But no, you're, you've got this solution for a lot of subjects. But see, this is where I'm kind of confused, especially today. How do people find you? Especially, would they search for social anxiety, <laughs> then take your 30-day video course, and then hire you? Is that kind of how it works? No, I like we've talked about in the email. I have never focused on web traffic. I used to read, I used to look at my stats, and I found I got on a hamster wheel about it. Like, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it when I start adjusting what I'm writing based on how popular it's going to be. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My success really came from. Facebook. I mean, it came from a lot of sources, right? Because I was doing the speaking, I was doing the blogging. I did that forum for that first year. People knew people knew me, right? But a lot came from Facebook. A, a very large amount of business came from Facebook. So that's something you started in, in recent years. Facebook, I got on Facebook right near at the beginning. That was another one of these synchronicities. One of my friends, like right when I started the blog, one of my friends insisted I get on Facebook. 
So that that was growing. At, every time I'd go to a speaking engagement, more people would add me. You know, I mean, it was that grew the whole time I was growing the business. Right. So you just had people following you just because they were connecting with you somewhere, and then you start to make offers through Facebook. Is that? Yeah, and I don't. I'm not at all conventional in how I approach it. I tend to be very controversial on Facebook. I, I my views on things are not conventional at all, and a fair number of people get very offended by me. So <laughs> I'd say it's a marketing technique. It works. <laughs> it, it has. I mean, I suppose you could say it has worked. It, it was not intended that way, right? My my thing was just radical honesty and hey, look, people, if we want our lives to get better. We have to question our beliefs, just like I had to question about the rental income, you know. If we sit here and, and let our limiting beliefs run everything, nothing is ever going to change. So I tend to really call out beliefs, and people tend to be very attached to their beliefs. So then they get their feathers ruffled, you know. <laughs> and, and, and ruffled feathers leads to sales somehow. <laughs> You know, while there were all these people who hated me, and I, I'm not, I'm not under, I mean, I'm not overstating that. I, there are a lot of people who do not like me, and I just, I accept that. It's okay. Um, there were people who tended to be more silent who were watching this, and they tended not to chime in, to be honest with you. Sometimes they did, but most of the time they didn't. But they sometimes had been watching me for years, and a lot of them have actually said to me, I wanted to know how you had the courage to say things that everyone else hated. Like that that's literally probably been the theme I've heard from more of my clients than anything else. I wanted to know how you were so free, basically, is what it comes down to. Mm. And that, you know, is I would say one of the big secrets here is you, I don't go for popularity, I don't go for high traffic. I go for Committed people who really get my message. You really are a very personal brand driven business, then, aren't you? Like, yeah, it, totally, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Which answers most of my questions, then, really. But like, <laughs> <laughs> all of your, anyway, most of the offers you make, the sales going to come from people who connected with your message, albeit controversial at times. But they're the ones who obviously, on some level, agree with it and want to share it and explore it. So they see you as a, a way to do that and your training is a way to do that as well. Um, it sound, I, I, you know, the numbers can be something that it's not worth talking about, but I'm assuming your Facebook following is large enough now and continues to grow that that's pretty much where you spend your time marketing, even though you, you wouldn't probably call it marketing. You're just talking about things you care about, which leads to people buying your stuff, simply put. Yeah. I mean, as you know, the Facebook environment is changing. Um, and I'm in a quiet phase right now. I have a feeling something else is coming. I have a feeling it's actually going to shift away from Facebook, but I don't know where it's shifting yet. Okay. So what do you do today? So today, um, life is a lot quieter. And my biggest year so far was in 2012. Um, I made about 375000 that year in the business and paid off my, all my debt that year and the beginning of the next year. And I had a pretty good year last year, but it wasn't nearly as high. And I'm still on track for six figures this year, but things have like quieted down a lot and I'm in a pretty introspective place right now. 
which because of my past history doesn't scare me as much as it would have. You know, I just assume that something new is on the horizon and I don't know what it is yet. So there's no point really churning my wheels and trying to make something work or trying to whatever, right? I'm just listening for the guidance to come so that I'll know what to do next. And in terms of your your business, it's just you've got digital products that sell when they sell. You're not pushing them too hard. Uh, sounds like you're not pushing your private coach, coaching at the moment very hard either. You're, you're just sort of, what are you, what are you doing? You're just hanging around? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I still do my social media. I'm still creating um, advanced products for my established customer um, base. Do you go to events? I have really cut back on the social stuff. It's just not resonating with me right now. Um, partly because my own inner transformation has been so much that I, I'm like on a totally different planet than most people. So it's I, all I can tell you is that every time I have a bill due, the money shows up. <laughs> <laughs> it always shows up. And I think that's because I have trained my mind to be able to create money whenever I need it. Like it's just always, it always shows up. So I'm in a more, like I'm still working on the business at probably every single day, but I'm not in a frenetic, like have mm-hmm. to make sales kind of mode with it. If well, that makes sense. of course, I mean, your financial situation is so much more relaxed, right? There's, there's no it, mortgage. It yeah. There's, there's, yeah. So you must have more free time than to, I don't know, read books and meditate and so on yeah not much of a book reader i do um i do go out skiing we have a hot tub here and but i spend a lot of time just being (laughs) i don't know what how else to say it well you must have a physical existence somewhere so you you sit in your house in a chair and sort of (laughs) contemplate things (laughs) right you know i'm two months right now i'm working on a product so i do go up when i get inspired i I go up and record videos and then i have to edit them and upload them and get them on the site and there's i mean there's lots of stuff to do right Mm -hmm. but i have been cooking at home a lot more um focused on really just being and I I gotta say it's a it's a happy like I used to be crazy busy all the time you know with the being a lawyer and everything and I don't think people most people realize how happy you can be just being you know like a cat (laughs) (laughs) yes cats do a good job at that yeah like look how happy they look just kind of lounging around yeah. all day, right? Uh, they they do get pissed off every now and then, but most of the time they're pretty chilled. <laughs> <laughs> That's how life feels. I feel like I've become more and more cat-like as, as we're going along here. Yeah, okay. All right, Erica, well, that's probably a good time to wrap it up then. Um, where do we yeah. find more about you? Long, long, winding journey home. Oh, it's good to, to get the whole, the whole story. So uh, where's your Facebook page first? So um, Facebook page at facebook.com slash Erica Awakening. That's Erica with a K, not a C. Yeah, E-R-I-K-A. And your website? Is there a blog we can check out? I I got two main websites. One is ericaawakening.com, so that's easy. And then the one where I sell my products is called tapsmarter.com, as in (laughs) smartertapping.com. Awesome. And just for the, the guys who are curious from the early day stuff, do you still have that seduction blog up? 
I had moved all of that content onto ericaawakening.com. Okay. So if they go back in the archives, there's lots and lots and lots of free content all over that site about seduction advice. Yeah. Okay. I should, I should say guys and girls. There may be some girls who want to check it out too. So. Yeah. No, lots <laughs> of women used to follow it too. They were fascinated by it. Okay. All right, Erica. Well, thank you. Um, I, I wish you good luck, but I don't think you need it. I'm sure it's going <laughs> to unfold as it will. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to share the full story with me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Well, there you have it, the interview with Erica. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly enjoyed recording it. Such an interesting story Erica has with all kinds of uh, ups and downs and, and unique situations that she found herself in. If you'd like to grab some more podcast interviews like this, you can find them all on my Entrepreneur's Journey blog. You can find that by Googling my name. That's the easy way. Just go Y-A-R-O into Google and you'll find my blog that way. You'll also find my podcast in iTunes. You can again search for my name that way or just type in Entrepreneur's Journey and it will show up in your podcast, whether that's on your phone or your tablet or on your computer. I hope you enjoyed the interview again. Thanks for listening. Please become a subscriber. Leave a review on iTunes. My name is Yarrow. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.